The Hard Shoulder. With Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. As always on a Friday here on The Hard Shoulder, we round off the week by inviting in three victims to talk to me about some of the topics that we've decided to uh, analyse, no, take a jaundiced look at um, in terms of the, we, what we covered. It's a great pleasure to welcome back the chairman of the uh, commution, uh, communications clinic, Terry Prone. Uh, Jess Kelly, our colleague here in News Talk, uh, our technology correspondent, and uh, we're going to talk to her about some of her shows that she has coming up and Mind the Gap films of Bill Hughes. Bill, is this silly season for you or do you have uh, anything that you must promote? This is silly season in terms of telly. Uh, Lots of submissions, in fact, today was a big day for submissions. Is is it a deadline day? It's gone, yeah, done. And then uh, really, I'm just looking forward. I'm going to get home, open the brochure and make my bookings for the Dublin Gays LGBT Film Festival, which is the August Bank Holiday weekend at the Lighthouse. The best in international cinema that has a gay twist and it's Is it filthy porn again? Never. No. Never. It's just brilliant, heartwarming, quality films but, but is it really all inspirational. No, not at all. Is there a lot of English? Wonderful, in English? Most of it is in right. English and, and wonderful documentaries. So it's on the Bank Holiday weekend? Yeah. Uh, sort of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday? Yeah. And, and, and what would it be? 10 films or? 35 features from around the world and at least 50 short films in uh, men's uh, short films, ladies' short films, trans short films, bi short films. So, okay. um, and, and that way you can just go and be educated okay. and you can also feel that you have a tribe. So where do you get the tickets? For, uh, lighthouse.ie. Oh, lighthouse.ie. Mm. So uh, I, you, you have two shows going at the moment, Jess. So yeah. Tech Talk is in its usual slot. Yes, indeed. Sunday at 6pm and that is ticking away. But this weekend also sees the final episode of Full Steam which is a series that I'm very proud of so we had six um, high profile people from the world of science, technology, engineering, arts and maths all of whom just happen to be women Um, so my final guest is Kleena O'Farrelly who's a scientist at TCD and she's just brilliant Uh, so it's a great story and that is 7 o'clock on Saturday evening Oh oh, oh, right on Saturday Yes indeed All right, uh, let's start with this I want my geese to lay gold eggs for Easter. It will, sweetheart. At least a hundred a day. Anything you say. Oh, by the way, what? I want a feast. You ate before you came to the factory. I want a bean feast. Oh, one of those. Cream buns and donuts. And okay, donuts. that is, of cor- course, a clip from Willy Wonka. We played that because uh, Veruca Salt, the ultimate spoiled brat from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, this week... Chloe Kardashian faced a barrage of criticism for buying her 14 month old toddler, needless to say, called True. My God. Uh, A toy Bentley, uh, she got her. So the reality star shared a video of her little girl inside this sparkly pink vehicle on her Instagram page over the weekend with one person writing another Kardashian in a Bentley. Well, this got us thinking here on the hard shoulder about the limits to spoiling your kids. Is it okay to uh, lavish your love through expensive gifts on your kids or do extravagant gifts lead to a generation of brats? No, I'm thinking of Anton uh, Savage here and I'm thinking of you, Terry. Did you spoil him along the way? 
I don't think that I did. Um, I, I had this conviction all of the time that uh, time is the most important gift that you can give to kids, that there is no point in giving them big, important presents because it's just an escalation that goes on forever and ever and ever. I was actually quite a rigid mother in the sense that I rationed him um, he had to read an hour a day and he could watch no more than one hour a day of television. From what age? Like from two till ten? You know, or he from... mushes together. I don't really remember yeah. him much. Uh, yeah. You were work, yeah. <laughs> you had someone but, else, so you outsourced it. Yeah, I'd I say. would have given him very dangerous presents. I gave him um, a motorbike when I think he was 15. Right. Um, That's probably illegal. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, the most expensive present I can remember that I gave him was um, three days in a Sebring, I think it was called. A uh, motor A Sebring, S-E-B-R-I-N-G, motor racing school in Florida. Um, and it was the most amazingly productive Oh, he learned gift. to be a driver, a, a racing driver. He learned to be driver. a racing driver there, right. and he became a champion. So he's, he's really a, a master good. of penalty points <laughs> now, is he? But he doesn't bring his driver's <laughs> license to court. <laughs> All right. So so he's brain damaged, really. <laughs> so I, I, No, I, no, but what, and where do you stand on, on this kind of really indulgent, uh, uh, crazy gifts where people have more money than sense? I mean, like... Uh, I, I, I think there is a serious issue here, which is the issue of expectations. If people have everything handed to them on a plate, you can tell the kids that are spoilt. You, you missed your vocation. Do you know that, Ivan? You were meant to be a clergyman. I know. I can Sorry. see the That's... Sunday sermon coming can, no, on. Can you not? I was because well, you know I'm close to retirement at sixty, and You're I was saying to Deirdre, "What, what should I do?" And I said, "You know, maybe I go for the church of Ireland because you can get a late vocation." Yeah. And I said, "There's only one thing," and I was speaking to some people about it. Was you know Divinity College and all this. I need to fast track, but I'd have to go straight in as a bishop. There's no way I'm <laughs> going to feck around as an ordinary <laughs> parish priest, rector, you know, canon. I'd have to go in the top. And the, and the clothes would be great. Oh, yes. They'd really suit oh, you. They'd be fantastic. But the point that I'm making here what is What's the question that, I asked? <laughs> um, you have created a fantasy around an inaccuracy. Because the first thing to know about this Kardashian woman, and I know she's all about her. And I nothing about her. And um, I care less. Is that she put her child in a tin car most of us have had children that we have put in tin cars. They're cheap. They're little cars. This one happened to be just an imitation pink Bentley. The thing that would worry me is the pinkness. I think there is an issue about little girls and pinkness. I, uh, I, I hate no, the assumption that every little girl should be dressed in spangles, pinkness, and that it would be okay for perfect strangers to say, oh, look at the little princess. Oh, look at me throwing up. <laughs> You're in good form today. <laughs> uh, 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 Bill, uh, um, parenting and spoiling uh, kids. Uh, can you tell adults who've been spoilt as kids? Oh, God, yeah. Particularly only children. Yeah, I was just going to say People who have been that. only children. Because, because I'm one of 13. Right. So, you know, there was no spoiling yes. in our house. Yes. And uh, everybody, the, the rod wasn't even spared in our house. Yeah. Everybody got a clatter for being uh, wrong and sometimes for being right. Yeah. Being right yeah. was equally punished yeah. if it was at odds with how my parents felt. Yeah. So this but whole no, thing but, but of spoiling, see, but if I you want stand. to lavish your love on this sole child, you know what yeah. I mean? And there are, it's not the 
kids' fault. They're an only child. So all the the positive pleasures of parenting, you know what I mean? They mean well. Yeah, but the greatest gift you can give your friends and you can give your kids or you can give, you know, is your time, as ter- Terry said. And I think the greatest gift I can give to friends is to invite them around and to cook them a beautiful meal. Because right. I think that's well, what we'll people come really on to that, enjoy. That, that, that because the, the, the life skills is another programme, <laughs> these, these uh, snowflakes. But I will say that growing up, we were very aware of who the spoiled brats were. And as a result, our, our model... Our, our perfect model of who spoiled was was Nellie Olson. Do you remember the little house on the prairie? Yes. And she was the daughter was, of the family. The little, the little ringlet. Yes, yes. And she knew everything and had everything nice and clean. And the kids from the ordinary house, yeah. the little house on the prairie, they just looked really But uh, that's even worse than pink. Poor. That's just stereotypical. But that's what the, Karda- the Kardashians are the Nellie Olsons of today. Yeah. And I can't stand them. They serve no real purpose. Apparently she's got a wonderful bottom. But, but other than that, I know nothing I've about the Kardashians. Met people who adore them and right. I can't I look at them and I actually I just think it's, it's their it's IQ the, goes no, down at least 10 points it's the index of points. how vacuous your life is how much you know about the Kardashians yeah. I assume you know an awful lot I Tessa. knew I was going <laughs> to get a slap I have never watched a single second of the Kardashians okay. I'll have you well know. you've gone up in my estimation the Kardashians so what, what's your view how many siblings do you have so I'm one of four and uh, I don't think we were spoiled but we were very lucky I always remember on birthdays we'd get what, we, what we'd asked for and Santa was always very generous. I wouldn't say that we were spoiled. We knew the value of money. But I now have a niece and a nephew and I do spoil them rotten. Oh, you spoil them? Oh, I'm awful. Oh, well, no, I think it's different. A grandparent or an, an uncle or an aunt spoiling them. Oh, but to the point... Because that, that's like the favourite present. Oh, my God. You know, like uh, parents, uh, you know, do, is almost like a condition. Mm-hmm. Someone doing it once a year or Christmas is a completely other thing. Oh, I do it every weekend though. Like it's terrible. So I'd see my niece and my nephew. I'd take them every Saturday and at, we're at the point now where Ellie will what come age to are me. They? Uh, four and three. A lovely age. Yeah. And so I've basically kept the Peppa Pig franchise running for the last right. few years. All of my money, majority of my wages. Do you, think, do you think this is good for them? No. Now the thing is, so it I'd used say the to parents be, love it that you take them off their hands. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and yeah. look, good luck to them. But particularly I, at the weekend, you know, <laughs> well, I think out at work during the week, and they, <laughs> then there's these sprogs around the house at the, the weekend. Sprogs. <laughs> but the thing, I, I think the association should be that you get a treat when you do something well. Whereas I just do, I get excited to see them, so I'm like, here, take all the toys and do whatever you want. Uh, and so I see myself doing it, and I'm incredibly guilty of it. But I think if they if they turn into brats, it'll be 100 percent my fault. I'm aware of okay. that. But, no, can I say, I do want to disagree with uh, both of you old people. And, 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 <laughs> and, 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 and insofar as I find the greatest expert on parenting are people who have no kids. Mm. <laughs> but they, 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 I have 29 nieces and nephews and 16 grand nieces Yes, but the, the, the greatest <laughs> gift you, you said is giving your time. I, 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 I don't agree with that. I think the greatest gift you can give your kids is education. I, I just think, like... I was sort of Ivan, it's free in this country, thanks be to God. Yeah. If you're talking about real education, you're talking about sitting down with kids from the time they're two and a half and reading them books. Right. Reading them books every single day. And that any time a toddler comes to you and says, will you read me a book? The answer is always yes. And if they turn no into a nerdy what, anorak of a bookworm. You cannot have it both ways, Ivan, although you constantly try. If education is the most important thing, it starts with parents, grandparents and answer. Can I, can I put a thing to you? Yes. Listen to this now and tell me, do you agree? I want to spoil her with love as well as with material gifts. 
She will also be raised with values, responsibilities, chores, respect and self-love. So this is Kim Kardashian, is it? Yeah, and at what stage is she going to make a porn tape? That's (laughs) just like her aunt. The the other point is her her PR manager, someone like the communications clinic, wrote that goddamn thing and you fell for it. All right, we're going to leave it there for a moment. My final furlong panellists are staying with me. But first, let's check in on the latest news headlines. Thanks for that, uh, Eamon. Well, stay with me here on The Hard Shoulder. Myself and my panellists, it is a great pleasure to have Jess Kelly for the first time on The Final Furlong and two old hacks, Terry Prone, (laughs) who I call Tess, and Bill Hughes. Uh, We want to move on to an adjacent (laughs) subject. We spoke about spoiling uh, brats by conveying too much gifts on them and so on. But another story that caught our eye, which is at a more adult stage of the same generation of snowflakes and millennials, (laughs) It is the UK Education Secretary Damien Hines this week said that students are struggling with the pressures of moving away from home in the context of going to college. And he specifically was launching a project teaching teenagers life skills, not only such as budgeting, sharing a house, coping with relationship problems and cooking, cooking. So. Bill, you, you were saying that, that, that teaching someone to cook is really important. Teaching someone to cook. And my father taught us how to cook. My mother was a great baker, but my father was a brilliant cook. And so all the boys in our family learned how to cook early and, and the girls. And so when I came to college, uh, having gone to boarding school where your meals were thrown in front of you and then having stayed for the first year of university in Hatch Hall, uh, on Hatch Street where your meals were all cooked for you again because my parents didn't trust that I'd be yeah. looking after myself and then I moved out into Flatland in Ranelagh and About 43 was it? And the, pla- <laughs> the places were so like they were mice infested yeah. damp you know and people Bed lived system. yeah and people lived on a diet of fried egg sandwiches I mean that was yeah. what you, that, that was what you, well, you this, had This predated the microwave yes, which did. is a great and, and you have ready made meals that you can go a bit pro- processed but you can go in to any supermarket and get the most wonderful uh, uh, pre-prepared meals. Now just can. in Canada, I'm having to dress myself, wash myself, cook for myself. Well, I lead out over the weekend. But I mean, like the point about it is, it's absolutely shocking that she's gone off to see her daughter. Well, it's <laughs> reflective of the present generation. Which brings me to you, Jess, my next uh, yes. uh, witness. Insofar as, isn't this just more of it? What can this generation do other than operate their smartphone? It like here you have these twenty-year-olds who just are incapable of having cop on living and doing the basic life skills. They are helpless. They are just, you know, they're they're bubble wrapped. (laughs) And? uh, No, you're absolutely right. Look, I am one of them. You're going to absolutely lambaste me now, but I can't cook. I can't Ah, boil an egg. When I was 16, I stopped having butter on sandwiches because I can't butter bread. I tried to make a cooked chicken. It's too frozen, the butter. Is that it, sir? I just, I physically, I don't know. We've tried and done studies on this. I'm just incapable of doing anything to do with food. Um, I once, again, no word of a lie, we weren't, I don't want to say it to you, but we didn't have dishwasher tablets, so I put fairy up liquid into the dishwasher. (laughs) Flooded the kitchen. Right. I went through a week of washing my clothes with just fabric softener. I didn't realise they actually needed detergent as well. Right. Sorry, well, I'm I'm, I'm actually, I'm conscious of the fact that (laughs) 
your mother's a fan of the show but is it not a failing of parenting? No, so my mother and like she often says she she wanted us to be kids when we were kids and not have to worry about anything and I had the greatest childhood. You mentioned Little House on the Prairie. That's what we had. We had a great time. We were outside. We were best friends with each other. We had a gorgeous hot dinner every day. Mum looked after us and then it was when we reached adults that she, she realised oh maybe I did look after them a bit too well. Right. Um, like I can clean. I'm very good at cleaning okay. and organising. Laundry? I can do laundry. Yeah. Ironing? Uh, yeah, I love a bit of Hoovering. ironing. Yeah, you're uh, good at all that. I can't, yeah, absolutely. But, but, but when it comes to cooking, mm. now just say to make an omelette. Oh, I can't do that. Because even I could do that. <laughs> no, like, so again, and again, I don't, I'm not but saying... No, but you can use a pan. No, but that's I, right. You can boil stuff, and like you can, all you have to do with the roast chicken is just put it in the oven. Yeah, and then I get impatient, and I I served up uh, a cooked chicken to my boyfriend a few months ago, and he said to me, "It's not meant to be medium rare. It was still pink on the oh. inside." I do not have the patience or the interest. I would much rather be doing something actually productive. I look at food as fuel for my body. I don't enjoy cooking. I don't enjoy fancy food. It's completely but wasted would, would, on me. Would you not? Would you not think that down the road these are skills you need to develop? Well, I in am so far as in so far as that you need to be sort of self-sustaining, and it'd be nice to have a nice <laughs> na- meal. Oh well, it is, but that's why I work so hard so that I can pay someone else to do it for me. I go okay. out to a nice restaurant. I don't mind doing that, but at the moment, like the life skill that that's I'm learning, Mary Antoinette, isn't it? Well, sure, there's nothing cake. wrong with there's nothing wrong with <laughs> it. Yes, I'm so learning to drive. Jan, not the Duke of Dunleary for nothing, for God's sake. All right, uh, Terry, uh, uh, are you worried about that? There's a generation of Jesses out there that really are clueless when it comes to cooking and life skills, and that when they reach the point of going to college, being away from home, all of this is cruelly exposed and who's to blame for it? Is it them? <laughs> <laughs> Who should Can we send the DPP file to? The only essential life skill Jess has which is keeping things clean. We don't want to be infested with nasties. After that we can order in food and everything else. I kind of had an epiphany but 20 years ago I was picking up one of my employees and um, I said, listen, can I get myself a cup of water while you're doing whatever she was doing? And you know how if you're in somebody else's bathroom, you're always going to open the medicine cabinet to I see what wouldn't. drugs they're on. <laughs> Similarly, Don't tell me you're light-fingered as well as everything else. If you're in a kitchen, you're going to open the fridge. And I opened the fridge and it is... You not only open the, drink, the medicine cabinet, you open the, the fridge, fridge as well. The fridge had three bottles of Prosecco, one bottle of water and a banana. And what, it was, what it a was classy person. <laughs> so when she came back down, and I won't name her, I said, is this the usual way with your fridge? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, well, why? And I said, well, if somebody came in, if somebody visited you, yeah. she said, we have the bottles of Prosecco. And I said, what about food? She said, you always order in food. Why on earth would I go to right. the... And she and gave was this me, back in the day? Because now 20, everyone is delivering and just eat. Ago, right. That when it wasn't ago. fashionable. And she said to me, I generate much less waste to be taken care of mm-hmm. because I order well, all the plastic in. and bags. And um, no, but they every don't. Every sauce She, she didn't have to have all the leftover bits of vegetables that we have to cut off. And um, she said, I don't have as much uh, washing or anything else. And I thought, OK. And I kind of was sorry for her because I think there's a great pleasure in cooking for people that you love. 
But it wasn't a pleasure that she bought into. So more power to her banana. That was right. the time of Sex in the City when uh, Carrie used her oven as a place to store her shoes. There you go. But no, but no, but but beyond that long essay. I, I didn't get an answer to my question. You're worse than the politicians. Who is to blame for the fact that people don't have life skills? It, it, They're going it, to college. They just cannot function built independently. Built into your question is a wrong assumption, which is that people do not have life skills. A, who defines bloody life skills? The fact is that Jess Kelly will tell you from her tech background that there is nothing in the way of ironing, washing, cleaning that you can't learn Humans in have 30 to have seconds fuel in the form of, of food. Google. Yes, and you can order it in. This is Isn't like this? trying to get me worked up about Stella McCartney saying that people wash their bras too much. Yeah. There is no objective measure of how frequently you should wash your goddamn bra. When, you st- uh, no, when it no, starts no, to uh, smell, I think no, that's no, when no, you no, start I know, sorry. <laughs> Cooking is a simple skill for yes. which, you, you know, you never know in your dotage when you might need to be able to cook uh, and so on. Like, the idea that you'd have everything bought in is just a, such a middle class, me, it's upper horrific. class. It horrific. Is actually, you like, should be able yeah. to make a basic soup that will get you through the winter. I live with someone who can cook. My boyfriend can cook. I can clean. That's the 50-50. It's all compatibility. And if exactly. ever I would leave you. All right. uh, we're <laughs> going to take a quick dirty. break. We're going to be back to put to our final furlong panel. What do they make of the incident about rebel songs where Mickey Hart apologised on the Tyrone bus? We'll be back after this quick break. All right, that was Come Out Your Black and Tans, played by the Wolf Tones, and that was one of the songs sung on the Tyrone bus as uh, 14 marching bands went by last Saturday night after they had a successful match against Tyrone to get into the Super 8s. When the controversy arose, obviously the people in the bands and supporting the bands didn't like it, um, Mickey Hart apologised. We had Niall O'Dowd on the programme saying he shouldn't apologise. It's perfectly valid, um, which all leads into... A lot of people look at this through the culture of a rebel song means something in a certain part of Northern Ireland or a bonfire means something this weekend or a, a band uh, celebrating, marching band celebrating the Battle of the Boyne. It's it, like they, we had it on yesterday's show, you know, the East Belfast. It was really, really scary how people were justifying these bonfires and so on. My point is a plague on all your house. However... If I was with you late of a night in a pub and your party piece was to sing a rebel song, it wouldn't upset me at all. What's your take on this? It would surprise you. It's context. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, that he could I, sing or I, that no, it would be a rebel I'm song. hardly going to kick off the men behind the wire. Like, <laughs> right. you know, that's not my area. I, uh, I think songs of protest are very important and have been very important throughout, you know, the, the like the fife from the fife and drum in 1776 right through songs of protest through the 60s, through the 70s against Vietnam War, everything. I think they're very valid. Rebel songs are deliberately provocative mm-hmm. and they are meant to represent the extreme side and, and they usually have violent intent. And so rebel songs do set my teeth a little bit on edge sometimes uh, there are there are songs of protest that I love because they're songs about asking for equality or asking for justice uh, 
Rebel so you, songs are usually lyrics, you you judge it on the lyrics. Then. Yeah, they're po they're but the national anthem. Apparently, the lyrics are very militaristic. Change the national anthem. I've said it on a right? Friday. Okay, yeah. because in your same theme of being anti-rebel songs. Yeah. All right. Jess? I think it's all about the intent. I think sometimes people can get caught up in things and there's turn of, like there are certain phrases and certain names and certain like slagging terms that get thrown around and people don't know either the full meaning of them, they don't know the background or they don't know that, you know, you could be from a background where this is incredibly hurtful. So I do think this is something that did... Uh, I would question the intent, I suppose, of the guys singing the songs. If they didn't necessarily know the full context, mm. perhaps you could plead ignorance. But I just thought it was a very foolish thing to do. So I actually thought it was good that uh, Mickey Joe Hart came out and apologised. And and if you were in a, a social setting in a pub a weekend uh, or at a house party and someone sang a rebel song as their party piece or, it was, you know, there was there was plenty that had been played, say the band in the pub or mm. whatever were playing them, how would you feel? Would you, would, you, would you find it a little irksome or would you kind of be clapping along and just, you know, like the music rather than the lyrics? I think, again, if it's a band, if it's a trad band in the corner playing a song, I think work away. And as Bill said, there is, you know, a time and a place for these things and they do represent certain things. I just think it's all about the intent. As I said, if you're, if you're, if you're playing a song to try and wile someone up or get a reaction or wind someone up, the same way you throw the word snowflake in my general mm. direction mm. every day of the week, mm. you know, you're trying to get a reaction. Yeah. Mm. And I think if somebody else says I'm a snowflake, I'm like, OK, grand. When you do it, you're trying <laughs> yeah, to get a rise yeah, out of it. But me. in the same okay. way that those marching bands give me the heebie-jeebies, I am completely against this marching crap. Sure, sure. I, 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 you're against both sides of it. Yeah. All right, uh, Terry, um, the, John Delaney, uh, formerly of the FAI, got into trouble for singing a rebel song after a match, you know, late into the, into the celebrations. What's your take on it? On John Delaney or on no, rebel songs? No, on rebel songs. songs. <laughs> I, I'm... I'm down with rebel songs. I'd be good now. I'd be pretty rousing on a lot of the owl wolf tone stuff. Indeed, I have to confess publicly that once upon a time I did some work with the wolf tones. I love that. And I remember at some stage be ha- singing around the house and suddenly realising that my husband was standing watching me. And I kind of dribbled to a halt and looked at him and said, do, do, do you not like what I'm singing? He said, no, I, I'm good with it, but you wouldn't want to sing that down the false road. Mm. I think it it is, as Jeff said, it's about intent and more more than anything else, it's about context. And if you want to do it in private, in the bathroom, more power to your rebel ass. All right. Final topic. Uh, we just uh, took note of uh, the Primate of All Ireland. Uh, of course, Bill is a huge fan of the Catholic <coughs> Church. Archbishop Martin said we should Not. be thinking of reintroducing the temperance movement. These are the pioneers and they wear their pin with great devotion. And a lot of them aren't that religious, but at this time of excessive use of Class A drugs and alcohol and so on, leading to more violent scenes, is this not a good idea to consider temperance? Bill? Um, I think uh, there should be moderation in all things, excesses of all kinds, particularly religious zeal is an excess that I would find most objectionable, especially coming from the mouth of that particular person. Do you object to the pioneer movement uh, and pioneer pins? I question this 
public flagellation. That's what I would see it as. And I think it's kind of redundant. You either take a drink or you don't take a drink. And if you don't take a drink, don't pontificate to those who do. And if you do take a drink, don't try and cajole those who don't. So I think people who want to have a drink, have one. It's called a freedom of movement and consumption. But to have your one in the frock up in our ma telling us what to be doing about drink just gives me the pip. But no, but we, we are. I know drink consumption is down by a quarter since 05. And I know one in four pubs have closed. But there are people who are obviously drinking too much. And your generation, here we go again, I'm afraid. They're doing a lot of prinking, which is pre-drinking at home. They're yep. bringing water bottles with vodka in them. And they're doing other stuff in relation to drugs. So is it not time for temperance? I think that that is a grand old uh, general statement that you've just made there. So congratulations. I think your generation and, you know, people in glass houses and all the rest. But anyway, um, I do think that we do, we need to be mindful of putting the message out there about alcohol. The big issue I have is that if you're on a night out and someone's not drinking, you're like, are you on antibiotics? Mm. Are you pregnant? Why aren't you drinking? Come on, we get you one drink. And people mm. have to get pushed into it. I don't think you necessarily need to have the Pioneer pin on or stand to it. Just do what you want. You don't have to be answerable to anyone. I remember taking the pledge thing when I was making my confirmation and, you know, we had to sign a little piece of paper saying that we weren't going to drink until we were 18. Mm. And me being the little dorky swat that I was, I didn't. On my 18th birthday, I bought a nagging of vodka for somebody else when we were going But to you the... hadn't consumed up but to that point. I hadn't because I'm such a good girl. I don't no, break no, the rules. This is, this is, this is important. You know? <laughs> now, Mother Superior yourself, Terry? Because you're anti-drink. I know this. One of our um, new MEPs, apparently, is a pioneer, Maria Walsh. Um, but Bill would be happy she doesn't wear the pin. She just doesn't drink and she obviously does it for religious mm. reasons. What I would be concerned about, and if I were advising the primate, and there's two chances that I'll ever get to advise the primate, <laughs> um, I'd be saying to him, yeah, the temperance movement was great. Father Matthew was mighty, except that what happened was a pattern where one generation revolted by the alcoholism of the previous generation went into temperance, pioneer, nothing. And then the next generation went back. I'm not sure that that kind of pendulum swing of alcohol. So somewhere down the middle good. of moderation. The moderation would be really good. Abstinence has its points, I have to tell you. I know, I know. Right. Well, on that note of temperance uh, and moderation, I want to thank my panellists for joining me here on the fine firm of the hard shoulder. Terry Prone, chairperson or chairman of the Communications Clinic, Bill Hughes, Hughes of Mind the Gap Films, and Jess Kelly, who has both a full steam and tech talk uh, this weekend on uh, the station. And that's your lot from the hard shoulder this week. My thanks to the production team. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite shrunk today. Uh, Dan Flanagan. Alex Russo, uh, Rona Dowley and Roisin Davis. Off the Ball is up next. I will be back on Monday from 4pm with lots more. Thanks for listening and enjoy your weekend. 